You're listening to the Her Paper Root Podcast, episode number 10. Today on the show, I have Debbie Gartner, who goes by the name The Flooring Girl. She runs a successful hardwood flooring and interior design business. It's her blog that gets over half a million monthly page views, earning her over $20,000 per month. This is thanks to her own SEO techniques, which she details in her books and courses. Now here's the kicker. Debbie is using her blog to pay off over $200,000 of debt. How amazing is that? I have so many questions for her. So let's get started. You're listening to the Her Paper Root Podcast, a show all about money and entrepreneurship with host Chelsea Clark. Chelsea is a marketing strategist and the founder of HerPaperRoot.com, a friendly and supportive hive for ambitious, passionate entrepreneurs like you to learn how to growth hack your idea into a profitable business. We encourage you to fearlessly tackle your wildest goals. We know that as your own boss, you can deliver your unique message and make more paper. You just need a plan. Here's your host, Chelsea Clark. Debbie Gartner is known in the blogging community as a go-to SEO resource for her clever strategies and helpful traffic tips. She is here today to shine some light on something that is always the hardest part of blogging for many, and that is how to get more traffic. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, thank you for being here. I'm really excited to get to chat with you today because first off, getting half a million monthly page views is incredible. So please tell us how you are making that happen. Sure. So my name is Debbie Gartner and I'm known online and offline as the flooring girl. So I started out just having my own local flooring business where we did hardwood flooring, carpeting, sanding, and refinishing. And I was simply looking for a way for people to remember my name, especially realtors. Um, So I wanted a catchy name and I wanted to try to figure out how to um, leverage the internet to really grow my, my business. So I'd heard about blogging and just kind of dove right in, but it wasn't about making money. I did not know that I could even make money doing this online. It was simply, how do I find local customers? So that's, um, that's really how I got started. And I just wrote about articles for my local customers. And basically, I very, I shouldn't say very quickly, but I guess I, I wasn't paying attention to my pages. And I got a lot of them just from using SEO techniques. So it was maybe around 100, and, 100 150,000 page views a month or something like that. But like I said, I wasn't making money off of it. It was just trying to find local customers. So I would get about five appointments a week from local customers with them just finding me online. So that's how I really got started initially. And then do you want me to talk about my big transition point? Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. So around three years ago, my life just changed all of a sudden and kind of unexpectedly. And I'm not allowed to go into the details because of a non-compete that I signed. But basically I had to um, closed down my business and I was not allowed to do flooring for two years due to a non-compete that I must assign nine to 10 years ago. I found myself in a huge amount of debt. I was actually $238,000 in debt and all of a sudden without a means of income. And I live in a very high cost of living area. I'm right outside New York City. So it's expensive. And I had to try to figure out how to how how not to lose my home and how to make money and close this gap I had and this huge amount of debt. So it was really hard and I'm not going to pretend that it was easy because it wasn't. So I quickly figured out how much debt I actually had and then I quickly forgot a big chunk of it on purpose because um, it was just too overwhelming. Like It's like you might as well give up, you know? So I said, okay, I've got $68,000 of immediate debt, and that's going to be my first goal. And I'm going to try to forget the other stuff because it'll be more manageable that way. And at least I had up until um, August 2022 to pay that off. So I just, you know, chunked it out. And then I said, then I panicked, okay? Um, And I cried every day (laughs) Um, while trying to figure out what to do. And working with the lawyers and signing agreements and this and that. So anyway, I thought maybe I can monetize my blog. At least I believe that I can. 
but I knew that it would take a while. Um, you know, even though I've been blogging for a while, I just knew from reading so much that that was the case. So I basically took on two part-time jobs. I blogged for some local businesses and did SEO for them since I knew how to do that. And that, so basically freelancing work. And then I also did painting part-time. So I worked with a local painter. I basically begged him to take me on and just pay me commission only. So he'd only be paying me on the jobs that I closed. So I did that. And in parallel, I just tried to figure out how to monetize my blogs. Wow. So when you are, you're taking on extra jobs and you're trying to make it work and you're trying to now monetize a blog at the same time, what are you focusing on to be able to manage it all with that limited time and that crunch of having that debt over your head? I knew how to blog and I knew how to do SEO. And those are two assets that have always helped me, but I did not know how to monetize. So I, you know, even though I'd read stuff, you know, here and there, I didn't really know how to do it. So I took an affiliate marketing course and then from there tried to write different articles because the articles I originally wrote were not for the purpose of monetizing. They were written more for local customers. So they were just, they were good questions, but they were frequently asked questions that my customers had and I meant to optimize them for local search. Then I had to kind of shift my mindset and think, okay, how do I write articles that are helpful for people, but also I can monetize them through affiliate sales. So that's what I started to do. You know, it it took me a while to get it. So I'm a, I'm a slow learner. (laughs) So I would say that by month 11, I finally got it. And that's when those articles that I had written earlier in the year started to really do well and I just got better and I kept I must I took another basically an affiliate marketing course but it was specific to Amazon. So on Amazon I actually make at least $7,000 a month. Yeah, that's awesome. That was not the case 3 years ago, okay? <laughs> but I was <laughs> then starting to make some headway and so I invested in an ebook that was really helpful it was it was only $39, but... Is this Pot Pie Girl's book, Niche Post Conversion Strategies? Yes. Yeah, Niche Post. It's awesome. Yes, love that. We'll put the link to Pot Pie Girl's book in the show notes at herpaperoot.com slash show notes so everyone can go and check out her awesome Amazon Affiliate Strategies book. I was so poor then that I could not even afford the $39 book. So I was lucky because I have a really close friend here who also blogs, and she was helping me get through all this stuff. (laughs) Um, And she said, I'll make you a deal. I will buy you that book, and then you read it, and then you summarize it and teach it to me. And I said, sure, I will Uh do that. And later we did the same thing with Genius Blogger Toolkit. So it's not like we both used it. Like She paid for it, but I'm the only one that read it and accessed it and then I had to teach her, so I really had to had to learn it well. That's awesome. I love that. You know, I, I get what it's like, you know, starting out poor or worse in a minus position, but you have to be creative sometimes. So sometimes it's a matter of thinking about how do I raise the money? You know, like, I don't know, can I babysit or do whatever um, or freelance work just to make some money, you know, to buy a course or improve your hosting or whatever the heck it is at the time. Um, other times it's doing what I did. But what I also did along the way is I did a little bit of um, like swapping or bargaining. So I would, I had a skill which was doing SEO. So a couple of times I basically traded. So someone would give me access to their course and then I would teach them SEO over the phone. And we both won in that situation. But when when you're desperate, you have to take desperate measures. And I certainly was, and and for a long time too. So it wasn't like I just did this and now a few months later, I'm I'm good to go. (laughs) I've been there too. Like I would flip furniture. I'd find things in the alley even and fix it up and sell it on Craigslist for a profit. Like I would find any way to get ahead so that I could buy the education that I needed. Yeah. Yeah. That's so smart. And right. It does not need to be related to blogging at all. That's why I did the painting stuff. And and later I actually turned the painting stuff into part of my blog too. So I blogged about painting because I learned it really well. And then I went on appointments and I'm like, ooh, it's dual learning. I get ideas for topics to blog about and 
Um, I'd get out there to see what's going on with their floors. And and that was kind of fun, actually. There is a ton more coming up on today's episode, but first I want to quickly thank our sponsors for making this show possible. If you run a blog or any type of business, you know how important it is to drive traffic to your website. My secret to increasing my traffic is to use Tailwind for Pinterest. Tailwind is a pin scheduler for Pinterest that automates Pinterest marketing efforts. This app has helped me grow my page views by the thousands. Today, you can try Tailwind for free by going to herpaperoot.com slash tailwind. Is your blog legal? As a website owner, you are required to have a privacy policy page, terms and conditions page, and an affiliate disclosure page. If you don't have these pages on your website, you are not protected in case of a problem. Fortunately, you don't have to shell out thousands of dollars to have a lawyer create these pages for you. The legal bundle contains a fill-in-the-blank template for each of those required pages that your website needs. It includes all of the information that you must have to legally protect your blog or website. And it's drafted by a lawyer. To get your copy of the legal bundle, visit herpaperoot.com slash legal bundle and you will be good to go. People who are just getting started with SEO, what are some like SEO basics that every blogger should know? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, the biggest trap that new bloggers have is that they think if they've if they have Yoast, that it that it's going to help them, and also that if they think they have all green lights, that that means that their posts will rank, and that couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> Yoast is just a tool, and it's and it's a guideline, okay, and and sometimes it gives you bad advice too, but it is not going to tell you whether or not you're going to rank because. It's only based on the keywords that you put in. And if you don't know how to do keyword research or what you can rank for, it will not factor that in. It's one of those things, garbage in, garbage out. And that's what, unfortunately, happens with new bloggers. And I'm sure it happened with me as well. And then um, most people think it gives you SEO. It (laughs) does not. And the paid version, they think, oh, it must give you more SEO. But that's not it. You need to learn how to do SEO. And SEO is actually not that hard. Um, And people, I think, often psych themselves out and they think it's harder than it really is. But you just need to learn that. So Yoast will only tell you, you know, green lights, but it's not going to tell you anything else. It's not going to factor in your page speed or how well your post is written. It's not going to tell you whether or not you have a chance to rank. It's not going to tell you any of the offline signals that are super important. So when it comes to SEO, basically 50% is on page, like what you wrote and how the customer experiences your content online, which would include how well it's written, how well it's spaced, how large is your font, how, how engaging is your content, um, how relevant is it, is it helping them? and all that stuff. And the other 50% is off page, you know, so how trusted are you with Google, which a lot of people think of as DA, which is domain authority. And so you need backlinks to help, you know, show that your blog is more trusted, but it's not just that. It's also how relevant is your stuff. So if I'm writing about flooring and I'm constantly writing about flooring and all the aspects, Google knows that I'm a flooring expert because I am, you know, and it's not like I'm just, oh, a good content writer. And in fact, by the way, English is my worst subject in school and I always hated writing, um, but I know flooring and I know it well. And that comes across in everything that I write about. I know the right questions. Mm-hmm to write about because I've had thousands of customer appointments and I know what I'm doing. But if I'm writing some, if I'm writing on lots of different topics, I'm basically not an expert in Google's eyes. I'm, you know, know a little bit of everything, but I'm a master of nothing, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, essentially. So you need to factor that in as well. And new bloggers need to realize SEO takes time. So, you know, Google is essentially going to put your site in a sandbox, you know, probably for your first six months or so. Um, That doesn't mean that you don't focus on SEO. It just means that you need to be patient because I started doing SEO from 
day one because when I started in 2011, that's that's all there was and that's all that I knew. Pinterest did not exist. So as soon as I got to, I think it was five and a half months, yeah, my great. blog started to take off because of all the work I had done. And you basically need to learn and practice and do and you know just keep going at it. But at the same time, be patient, if that makes sense. Um, so that those I would say are some of the basics you need to to know. Um, yeah, and mm-hmm. there are probably some other ones that are very obvious right now. Um, oh yeah, this whole term of long tail search. So if you try to go after keywords or topics that are basically too broad and too popular, you won't do well. You know, like if I tried to rank at the beginning for hardwood flooring. It's like, forget it. You know, everyone and his brother wants to rank for hardwood flooring. But if someone's typing hardwood flooring into Google, like, what is it that they want? Do they want a local flooring store? Do they want to see why hardwood flooring is important or preferred? Do they want to know, mm-hmm. you know, which species are best? Like, there are 50 million questions that that could apply to. So don't do that. Be more specific in the blog topic. So I would write things like, you know, um, oil versus water-based polyurethane, which is better for hardwood floors. I mean, that might not have been the exact title of the article, but those are very specific questions that people who are about to get their floors sanded and refinished. So basically you want to figure out what are those user intent questions when people are closest to buying or purchasing, whatever your definition of buying or conversion is. In my case back then, it was my conversion was I wanted an an appointment. So if someone was asking the question about oil versus water-based poly, they basically had two estimates already. One from a flooring guy, I'll say, who told them to use... um, water-based poly and the other guy contradicted him and said use oil you know basically the opposite so they're confused and so they type in the question into google and then they find my blog and then if they lived here locally then they would call me and they would trust me because first of all i answered the question there very thoroughly and i also differentiated myself by being a girl So that's what I was looking for. But you have to think about your user intent. What is it that you want? Like, who are you trying to find and at what stage? If the answer is you want them to buy, I don't know, product ABC on Amazon or buy course, you know, XYZ by this person, think about someone who is about to do that. What are their questions? What What is it that they're looking for? And get into their head and write an article about that. Yes. And then just be specific. I'd rather you do more specific questions because there's less competition on all those and higher user intent. So I would just do very specific things like, you know, dark versus hardwood floors, you know, which which is better. Um, I wrote about gray hardwood floors because back in 2013, all the customers that were asking me about gray hardwood floors at that point in time, they were high-end customers. And a lot of them did not do gray hardwood floors, but they were the ones asking the questions because they were more on trend. Now you see gray hardwood or gray floors of all sorts everywhere, but it was a way to differentiate who did I want, you know, because I, of course, would prefer to have higher-end customers because, you know what, they have larger houses <laughs> and mm-hmm. more floors and more ability to spend so they can do larger jobs. Um, so, you know, just think about what are you going for in a post and and think backwards, essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so smart. People often look at Google keyword tool and they think, okay, well, this gets tons of searches. So I'm going to try to rank for this. But it's like two words and it's everybody's trying to rank for that. So if you kind of like narrow it down, you have a better chance. What is the person actually asking? What is the reason that they are typing a question into Google? Exactly. Exactly. And there's there's two points there. One is less competition and, and being more specific. And the other is user intent. Because if I if I want them to buy something, I want to think, what is it that they're going to buy? You know, rather than just ranking for a heavy 
or high volume keyword because even if I did get there, which we just discussed, you're not you're not going to get there. But even if you did, you're only going to make money on the ad revenue. Mm-hmm. It's about prioritizing your time. So if I can make money from an article on both affiliate marketing and advertising and if I had an email list from my home decor audience, which I don't yet, <laughs> um, but if I did, and that just boggles me. That's so. I you had said that in your your like blogging newsletter, and I was like, oh my gosh, like you, I, was, <laughs> I can't believe you don't have an email list for that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's so funny because I did not see that as a high priority because my my blog is really about, it's like a Q&A sort of place. People come in, they have a question, they find the answer, they go away or, mm-hmm. and they implement. You know, they don't need to come back because if they're doing a flooring project, it's a short-term thing for them. I mean, yes, they may be deciding over a few months or something like that, but it's not like they need to come back and learn more again and again versus mm-hmm. if I had a craft blog and I like, to do crafts and my customers like to do crafts, they do a craft. Well, now let's do another craft. Or if I had a food site, you know, I love to eat and cook and now let's try another recipe. So there's more and more you can do. So I didn't see it as a huge priority. And especially because the SEO was such a better use of my time. And Mm -hmm. also Pinterest, I do a lot of traffic from Pinterest too. So I don't want to say that it's only SEO. Yeah, I was going to ask about that too. Yeah. So so basically I get around 550,000 page views a month. Well, actually a little bit higher, but just assume that that's a number. And then of that, probably 350,000 is uh, SEO traffic. And then the other 200,000 is Pinterest. So, you know, the numbers fluctuate each month. Like this month I'm on track for, I don't know, maybe 570,000 or so, but it's generally those ratios and and you get the idea. So the two, we can talk this in a minute, but the two of those, you know, really feed in together. But that to me is much more passive income. Like I am really trying to go for passive income because as you know, I have such a huge debt to pay off. So I need this stuff to keep going and going for me. And while it's going in the background, I can then work on other things like my eBooks or my courses or other things that I want to create. So there was really very little need for an email list. And I also had this two-year non-compete. So I was a little paranoid if I do an email list, like, am I going to get accused of trying to solicit flooring sales, Mm, which I wasn't. So I just played it safe. But seriously, I could have gone back after two years and, and and did that because legally there were no issues. But I saw it as a very low return because I didn't quite understand how to monetize it. Now, separately, as you, I'm sure you know, I do have an email list now, but not about flooring, but more about blogging and SEO and stuff like that. So I created that in May, uh, the end of May of last year. So I'm really new to you know, doing email lists, but I can see the power in that because I do make good money off of it. And so now I'm trying to grow that and accelerate it and get better and better. But I still don't know how to reapply that to my flooring stuff because I don't really, I can't, I can't put Amazon links on there mm-hmm. and I can't, um, I don't have a product or anything like that yet, but I am going to see this year if I can figure that out and maybe launch some sort of a course by September, October. And in February, which is coming up, that's my month to see if I can figure out how to start an email list. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity there for you to create some sort of product that could, now that you have all of this digital product experience under your belt, I'm sure you could figure out a way to make it work for your other business as well. Right. And that that's a challenge, you know, so I'm going to see February is the month to try to, you know, improve email for both parts of the business. And then March is try to figure out printables. Like I have a couple of tiny printables um, for people and I make a little bit of money just from them being there on the site. But, you know, I figure if if I'm getting over 500,000 page views a month, like the traffic is there. So I should be able to capitalize on it. I just need to 
figure out how. Mm-hmm. And once a blog is getting significant traffic, like yours, or even just a fraction of what you're getting, how should bloggers keep it consistent? Like what can they do to, or ideally keep it increasing over time? Right. So, I mean, it's really a combination of things. So obviously you can keep creating more blog posts too, but it, at some point your return may be better in, in doing other things. So one of the things you can start doing is actually slowing down on the blog post writing. So really you should not need to do more than one blog post a week. It's really just quality over quantity. I think for the last you know six months or so, I've just been doing one blog post per month. That's it to sustain it. And I'm not saying just do one blog post per month, but I am saying that just... <laughs> <laughs> to say it's more about quality over mm-hmm. quantity. So make those posts really, really count. Do your research, SEO optimize them, get backlinks to them, just do the whole nine yards, even if that means do something every other week or whatever. Putting up mediocre content is basically worthless. So just stop doing it. Like if it's not really good, it's not going to rank and it's probably not going to convert either. And also do a variety of activities. Figure out what are those layers? What can you add on? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. Pinterest is something you really should be doing at the beginning because it can have a lot of impact at the beginning. But then over time, it seems like your bigger impact is going to be SEO. So I put more time towards SEO than I would for Pinterest because, you know, with Pinterest, you can just... If you can just maintain it at wherever it's at, that's good. But Pinterest in the long run is a lot more work than SEO, a lot yeah. more work. So you're always having to go in there and, you know, repin stuff or, or pay someone like a VA to do that or creating new pins and, oh, no, something changed. Let's figure out what it is. It, it's just a constant battle just to remain flat. And that drives me crazy. Like if I'm doing work, it needs to be growing my business, either growing my page views or more importantly, growing my bottom line is what I care about. So now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, how do I do products or how do I do email or other things that will really make me more and different money and that are much more ownable Um, rather than susceptible to Pinterest changes or Google changes or whatever. The other thing that I think is so important, and so many people forget this, with SEO, you really should be going back and improving your best post. So maybe go back every six months to your top probably 20 articles or so. Start with your top 10, then try to go the next 10 and look at how you can improve them. And, And that, by the way, is what I also go over in my you know, easy SEO revamp. But that's what I did in October. And I saw, you know, pretty, and I, I don't mean to imply that everyone can get instant results like I did, but I I saw a lot of results for very little work. So it's way easier to improve an existing post than create a new post. And of course, if you can do both, that's ideal. But at that point, you know, you might only do a blog post every other week and on the other off weeks, you're going to improve two or three posts. So I think about it that way. Then what are the other projects that I do? You probably do the same thing. Yeah. I'm always going back. I have articles that have been up for years and some of them really need it. So I've got into the habit of every four to six months, just going through and adding new information, making it longer and more meatier, taking out anything that didn't really serve the purpose that I'm trying to accomplish with it. So yeah, it's like an ongoing job. Stop being a scattered, overwhelmed business owner and get your projects in order once and for all. I recently switched my business over to HoneyBook and now it manages all of my projects, clients, invoices, appointments, and important contracts all under one roof. I honestly don't know how I was managing before HoneyBook. I'm so excited about this tool that I'm giving away a special 50% off bonus to everyone who goes over to herpaperroot.com slash HoneyBook right now and signs up for a 
free trial. You'll get a free trial to test everything out and then if you decide to upgrade, you will get 50% off your first year. That's over $280 for free. So head on over to herpaperroot.com honeybook to cash in on this offer. Do you want to buy a blog that is already making money? Or maybe you want to sell your blog. In addition to running this podcast, I also run a business helping bloggers buy and sell their websites. Come and see our current listings at blogsforsale.co. And if you are interested in selling your blog with us, fill out the form there to get a free valuation where we can discover what price your blog could sell for. That's at blogsforsale.co. When did you realize that you were onto something with your blog? Like you said about 11 months in, it started making a bit of money. When were you like, ding, oh, this is it. I like, I can make this really work. Okay. So I always knew that I could make a blog work. I shouldn't say always, but, um, you know, within a year, a long time ago, when I started my blog in 2011, within a year, I knew that the blog was viable. I just didn't know if I could make money from it. And then Mm -hmm. fast forward, when I needed to make money, I was very frustrated at first because I was like, I have all this traffic, but I'm still not making that much money. You know, I was made like $1,500 a month, which for year one for a blogger monetizing, like that sounds great. But to me, it wasn't because I needed $10,000 a month to survive. And I already had a blog that I'd worked on for years. So month 11, I started to make the turn upwards and I got Um, I think I made $3,100 in profit. And I'm sure people listening are wondering how you had monetized. So where in those first months that it was turning that profit, was that ads-based? Was that affiliate income? Probably the bigger chunk of that was ads. And then um, the second chunk of it was affiliate. 60 to 80% was ads maybe. I mean, I do, I do mm-hmm. have the specifics. I just don't know them month by month. Of course. Were. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just to be clear on that. Um, and then as time went on, a bigger percent of it came from affiliate marketing, which now is my largest contributor. So I think right now, you know, fast forward three years later, probably around 50% of my money is affiliate. And then maybe, um, I don't know, 25 to 30% is ads and the other 25% or so is products. Right. Digital products. So your courses and your eBooks. Right. And I, I knew I wanted to diversify. Like I knew that from the beginning, how important that was because this is a business and it's just like the stock market. You need to diversify your assets and then um, diversify the items within those assets. So I I knew that going in. I also knew from something I read a while back, it was actually from Darren Rouse, where he was talking about his journey, where it was like, I think for him, the first thing was affiliate marketing. And then maybe later he added on ads and then he added on, I don't know, whatever the different layers were. So I just call it layers. I'm, I'm constantly building on more layers and, you know, Amazon, which is my number one affiliate, I get worried because I have so much invested in that. And they changed their their structure, their commission structure. I want to say, I think it was in March. And I forget if that was March 2017, which was my first year. So I knew then like nothing is 100% stable. So you need to just diversify. So when this stuff happens, you are more in control and you have other things to fall back on. So from the very beginning, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted diversity of traffic and I wanted diversity of income streams. Yes. So, so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as time has gone on, I've become more and more diversified. So my income has become much more stable at this point. So getting back to your question about when did I know that I could make money or that I had a viable thing to make money. It wasn't until months later. So at month 11, I made 3,100. I'm like, yay, maybe there's something to this. And I just worked harder. And then I made $4,100. Like, wow, yay. But oh no, January's coming. Like, I'm getting, it's going to be terrible. But I ended up making slightly more, like maybe 4,400 in December. I'm like, okay, work a little harder and just keep doing more of what's working. And then I made like, 
6,300 and then it went up to like 6,600 and then it was 8,000. And by July of my second year, so let's call it month, it's probably month 19, but around a year and a half, I made $10,000 net profit. And I'm like, oh, I got it made. You know, like I just need to inch <laughs> this up a little bit more because if I keep going up like this and everything's steady, I can make plenty of money. But I'm sure you know that nothing stays the same when it comes to blogging. Mm -hmm. And then I hired a part-time VA or virtual assistant. And then the very next day, Google had an algorithm shift and I freaked out because it was, oh, no. I feel like I've had so many things happen along the way. Like I told you that I had that painting job and then the painter um, closed his business at month 10. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And it's like, you find another client and then figure out how to accelerate the blogging and then, you know, bake it. Then I have another client who is a long-term client. Like, I don't know, six months later, I lost them. But by then the blog was making more, but I've had to pivot so many times. That's and the perfect word for the blogging business is being able to pivot and adapt. Yes. Yeah. And I think you know, for the most part, I think that most people that have been successful have had to do that at least once, but it might have been multiple times. So my pivots might have been like smaller, but and more frequent. I, I don't know. But every one of them is always hard at the time. I mean, now it's much easier because the income is higher. Um, and I'm paying off my debt. So I feel more confident that I will be able to get that done in, before the deadline of August 2022. But it was hard. So I basically hired this person. And then the very next day, I lost all this traffic. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it felt horrible. So my income went down to like 8,000. And then the next month, it was at 7,500. And a lot of people be like, well, that's not so bad. But it was bad to me because I had worked night and day, every day straight for a year and a half, totally stressed about money. And then I hired a person and I didn't know if I'd be able to pay her, you know? So I needed $10,000 a month just to survive. And I was on Medicaid. So I knew that that would go up another $1,000 a month by the end of the year. So I'm like, I got to figure this out quickly. Google then had another change and this time it was in my favor. And then I basically came back stronger than before. So in October, I ended up making $11,000 for the month. And, and that's when I knew that I could do this thing long-term. But then the next month, I ended up making $12,000 a month. And that was November. And then the following month is when I launched my first ebook. It was one of my SEO ebooks. And I ended up making $14,000 a month. So at that point, I was feeling really, really good. And, and that's when I knew like this thing could work. And this whole idea of diversifying and thinking about products as well, basically, it kind of levels you up because you're making more and you're diversifying. So when I look at 2019, which is really year three for me, I went, it took a month or two, but I went up and then other months Sometimes my affiliate marketing would be higher and my ads lower. Other months it might be vice versa or my products, but they all ended up kind of helping each other out. So I was able to get to a steady place. It must have been the end of March or beginning of April when I was finally able to get through that $68,000 in debt. So when I started up in 2019, I ended up making 12000 in January, so I had a setback, no surprise, because still a good portion of my money was coming from ad revenue, and of course, ad revenue goes down every January, so my page views were good, but you know, less money for the, for the same page views, and then I launched my second book in February, and then I made $18,000 in total. And then I was excited, but I was also really scared because income taxes were coming up and I did not know how much I was going to have to pay. And I was really, really scared. So I just worked like crazy. And in March, I ended up making 
$24,000. Yes. <laughs> which I just could not believe. And then I still didn't know how much I owed. And my accountant called me. And when he told me, I was speechless because <laughs> it was $25,000 lower than what I thought. Yeah, girl. Yeah. It's really the power of having a great CPA. You know, it sounds like a cost, but really it's an investment. They save you so much money. So he reminded me about all these business deductions that I had from previous years. And that's what really nice. saved me. So <laughs> I was so excited at that point. I, I couldn't I couldn't stand still. I had to call everybody and shout to everybody and in the Facebook groups, like I cleared the debt, but I really hadn't. I still had another big chunk of a hundred. It was $170,000, but I guess I was paying some of that a little bit gradually and automatically. So I had $160,000 still left to go. So I'm like, okay, I'll take it a little bit easy for a month. And, um, oh yeah. And I forgot. Then I got slammed by something from my condo that I have to pay for. So I'm like, okay, now I had to figure out how to raise another, you know, $3,500 quickly. And, and I did. So I just kept setting up these challenges for myself. I need to raise this. I need to do that. And there's no choice behind it. And just tried to keep reaching for those goals. So once I hit that $24,000, I was so excited. And then that was March of last year. So now it's been I've had 10 months in a row where it's always been over $20,000, and hopefully this will be month 11. It looks like I'm projected to be about $100 over $20,000, and that's always net profit. So I'd never report revenue, or let me rephrase that. Anytime I say my numbers, it's always net profit. So I always include what my, what my costs are because this is a business and this is real money we're talking about. And I need this money to pay down this debt. So I'm hoping that I can make it this month and next month, February is, is shorter. So that always makes things harder, but I'm hoping I can you know, keep it up. Yeah. And you will like, it's amazing. You, you keep getting these sort of roadblocks and you come up with a creative way to raise that money from your creative pursuits, from your blog. Like that is wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. And you're right. There always are roadblocks and I believe there always will be. And I think that we just need to keep growing and learning and diversifying there. So, you know, I had another one in October where it looked like I might've only I would have made $17,000 and I just stepped back. I think it was October 14th. And I'm like, I got to change something. And then what I did is I looked at several quick opportunities because I had to fix it by the end of the month. So I noticed something on my ad revenue and an opportunity because I had a whole bunch of blog posts where I was not making any or virtually any affiliate income. So I'm like, I might as well put more ads on those pages. So I did that. And then I just did a whole bunch of SEO on my existing articles. So I went and said, okay, what are my top articles that are giving me the most money? And then let's figure out how to improve my page views on there and do that from an SEO perspective. So I just did work on there. And within a week or two, it started to come up. And I forget what I ended up the month at, but I think it was around $22,000. And that was a turnaround in the middle of the month. What sort of things did you do to optimize those older posts? Like what did you do to improve the page views and um, improve the sales that came from them? First of all, it was pick the ones that are already making money. So, you know, use that as a way to prioritize what articles to work on. So not the ones just getting money from ad revenue because ad revenue only goes so far. You can make so much more money from affiliate marketing and it's so much more scalable. So I said, let me prioritize those. And then what I did is I basically went to Google Search Console and looked for the opportunities. So as you may know, um, but maybe some of your listeners don't know, I have a new course. It's called uh, Easy SEO Revamp. And it's taking that whole idea of what I did in October to optimize my posts and my own little method of using Google Search Console to uncover what the opportunities are, you know, keyword by keyword, and then figure out these are the ones to strengthen, ignore these because they're a waste of time, and then go in the post and optimize whatever you can. So I also made, you know, edits to my content to make them more 
affiliate marketing friendly. And that's what I included in that course. Yes. And I've taken this course. I think I bought it like a day or so after you released it. And I was like, I was right yeah. in there like, yes, yeah, she's got <laughs> something new. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's like doing products takes a lot out of you. And I had, you know, launched two eBooks and then, you know, fast forward, um, you know, over the summer in August, I got really, really sick. And I got sick for several months. It's from an autoimmune disease. I mean, I'm okay now, but I couldn't really do that much work. And that's where it's really helpful to be doing SEO on your blog and having a strong blog that can kind of fend for its own. So I did almost no work in, in August, almost none. Like, I mean, I had a few days, I was just like bedridden and <laughs> And then I, you know, scheduled a few pins or something like that, but I made $22,000 for the month. So I was happy with that. And that continued, you know, into September as well, because I was still sick then. But then I figured, okay, I can't do this course because I had this idea for this course, but I'm like, I, I can't stay awake. Like I could only work a few hours a day at five. I was spent. I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> I could barely keep my eyes open. So I put it off until I had time. And then I worked on it in November and December. Mm -hmm. So you just got to do what you can do and kind of go with the flow. But the, and even after doing this course, it took so much out of me. I'm now like, oh my God, I can't do another course for months. <laughs> I need to recuperate. It's a big course. There's a lot of content in it, a lot of videos. Yeah. I know that takes a lot of work, a lot of yes. time. And that was really my first time doing videos too. So that was kind of nerve wracking. Doing an ebook was so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> I am always adding new lessons to the courses over at Her Paper Root Academy. That's where you can score my training on Pinterest, blogging, email marketing, online business development, and a whole lot more. Swing by herpaperroot.com slash courses and enter code podcast at checkout to get a sweet discount as a thank you for tuning into the podcast. How does Pinterest play into your strategy now? Now that you have things rolling with SEO, do you still use Pinterest nowadays? Yes. So first of all, I think diversity of traffic is good. And I do want to stress that I really am only, only have two sources of traffic for my main blog, which is SEO and Pinterest. So if you only have one, you're kind of in deep water if something happens to it, but having two is better. Obviously having more is fine, but I believe in really excelling at something rather than spreading yourself too thin. So I found Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, so many other things, just a complete waste of time. I mean, a lot of time, very little return. So focus your time on what is working best. But Pinterest actually become synergistic with SEO once you know how to do SEO. At the beginning, they're going to be two separate things. But what I found is that if you write a very well-optimized SEO post and then you do some pins for it on Pinterest, it can help you accelerate and maybe even amplify your results, your SEO results. So I found several times when I had pins taking off for new articles, my articles would you know, get onto page one of Google call it two to four months sooner than it was doing before, you know, and not all the time, but some, but often enough, I would be on page one a month later. And I had mm -hmm. some results that were even faster than that, which, you know, was awesome. But you really need to look at them as being synergistic. Now, if you just have a pin take off and it leads to a mediocre post and it's not SEO optimized, Nothing will, nothing will really happen. But if it is SEO optimized, and they basically, if you have, you know, the right consumers coming to your post and they stay on there and it's good quality content, Google will see that. And if they stay on the, on the page for a while, Google's going to pay attention and they're going to rank you, you know, better and higher on page one than had that not happened. So I, I, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I think about it. The other thing is I just think, you know, let's just maintain some of this stuff. Like I don't really care so much if I get more than 200,000 page views a month from Pinterest because that traffic isn't 
worth as much. You know, I did an analysis a while back on how much money I was making per page view on Pinterest versus SEO. And obviously the SEO posts were getting, making more than each page view is worth three times as much as each Pinterest page view. So it's very obvious where to spend your time. And I think if I had higher, um, higher paying affiliates, that ratio would be even higher. Like that could be a 10 to one ratio, not a three to one ratio. So I don't want to spend too much time on working my butt off on Pinterest when it's not going to make me that much more money versus I could create a new ebook or I could figure out how to do a course for home decor. If someone will ever give me a good idea on what I should do. (laughs) But you you get the idea, right? Yeah. Oh, that's all such amazing advice. And we had just briefly touched on your new course, but please tell us what is it all about and who should be enrolling in it? Sure. So the course is called Easy SEO Revamp. And it's basically how to use Google Search Console. And Google Search Console is a free tool. It is underutilized by most bloggers because most bloggers have no clue how to use it, but you have a free tool at your disposal where you can basically take your data and use that to improve your existing articles. You also can use that data to come up with new article ideas that are specific for your posts that your competition cannot see. And it helps you find these new article ideas. Some of my best articles came from just doing this. And you can't find that in the keyword tools. Your competition can't find it. Only you can find it because it's your data. So I just walk people through how to do that. And you can repeat the same process again every three to six months and pick a few different posts to optimize and hopefully move them from page two to page one or bottom of page one to top half of page one, et cetera, et cetera. But I would say that this is not for the beginner blogger, but more like the intermediate blogger because it will be much more actionable once you have actual search engine traffic. For those of you who are newer to SEO, I'd recommend my SEO eBooks, which is a great starting place. The first one I have is called Easy On-Page SEO. And that is, if you're a beginner, that is the one to start with. It's really about how to write great posts for your readers and for SEO at the same time. You really need to write for both of those, certainly not just for SEO. So make sure that you're keeping your reader in mind. And it's a very easy to understand format. While I say it's for beginners, I have had intermediates and advanced bloggers and people that already know SEO tell me that they learned a lot from it as well. So don't feel like if you're not a beginner that it's not for you. But if you are a beginner, it will take you from being a beginner into your more advanced stages. So that's the first ebook. The second one is easy backlinks for SEO. So recall earlier, I explained that there's really two parts of SEO. It's on-page, which is basically my first book, and then off-page, which is mainly about backlinks. At least that's the main part you can influence at this point. And so you need both to do well. You need to improve your domain authority and build backlinks. And so many bloggers get confused about how to do this, like, Many of them understand you should do it, but they just don't know where to start. And they think it's more difficult than it really is. So this outlines, I think I wrote in there, 31 ways and places to build backlinks, but I keep updating it. And so at this point, it it has more than that, but I don't even know how many at this point. And importantly, I do update it from time to time and I keep adding in places. I have this whole section for where you can do guest posts. So it's 125 uh, websites from bloggers like like you and me. And, and Chelsea, I think your stuff is actually in there as well. Mm-hmm. And so it lists all these sites and it divides them by or organizes them by niche. So you can find bloggers that are 
are willing to accept guest posts so you just know where to go without having to do the extra research. That's such a good resource to have. And I have both of your books. I highly recommend them. As you know, <laughs> I started out this whole journey in major debt. It was 238000 And thanks to my blog, I've made great progress on it. I still have a ways to go. But at this point, at about three years later, three, three years and less than a month, I have closed that gap. So now I have just $88,000 in debt. So I burned away like calories, <laughs> $150,000 in debt. And I think I just yesterday put another $1,000 behind it. So when that goes through, it'll be at $87,000. And That's incredible. Thank you. It feels so good and so much better. And even though I still have a ways to go, I know I can get there and I'm constantly plotting out like how long to get there. And I, I told myself that I, I have to get there by two Thanksgivings from now, but it looks like I may actually get there in a year and a half or so. So I'm really excited about that. So it's really because of my blog that I've been able to scale and increase my income to get that down. Yes, the power of blogging. You have been able to use blogging and your creative talents to get yourself out of debt. And that is so awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm excited for later when I don't have this debt anymore. I mean, I, I just, I can't wait. And then I keep thinking about all these other things I'm going to buy, not like expensive stuff, but things to just fix up my apartment, you know, basic stuff, all these things that are broken or falling apart. <laughs> well, that's absolutely fantastic because this is something that many people need to hear because when they're thinking of starting a blog, they often think, oh, it's just a little hobby or maybe their partner or friends don't take what you're trying to build seriously, but your blog is a serious business if you make it your serious business. So it's great to hear someone like you who has been able to pay off so much debt with your blog. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, I never knew that I would make this much money. I mean, you always have some of these hopes like, oh, what if I was hoping that I would make $10,000 a month, but I was not sure that that was the case. And, you know, through all these twists and turns in my life over the last few years, it's been hard, but I do take solace in the fact that now, not only am I making a lot of money, but I have a retirement plan now because, you know, a long time ago, I worked in corporate America, I was saving for my retirement, but basically got off track. And so when I get older and I want to retire, I still have passive income coming in. And I'm really excited about that because this thing, you know, just keeps going. I don't need to make lots more money. I just want to have enough money, if that makes sense, enough to pay off these debts, enough to fix up my apartment and then live comfortably and have money for retirement. That's really all that I need. With digital products too, you're able to make money over time. So you make it once and it becomes a source of passive income. So you can be selling your books with updates, of course, but years down the road, you can still be earning an income from your books that you created. Exactly. And you know, because you do the same thing. I mean, you have a lot of courses and it, yeah, it takes a lot of time to do some of those. But once it's done, you have this asset and you can keep, you know, keep leveraging it and in so many different ways. So it, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, even just the affiliate marketing, which is even the bigger chunk, it just keeps going and going, which is nice. For everybody who's starting out or near the beginning, have hope and work hard and be focused. Make sure you understand you don't need to do everything all at once. You have to take it one step at a time. So focus on maybe one or two traffic sources and one or two means of income and excel at those. And then after you master that, move on to the next. I think one of the biggest mistakes I see is that people try to do everything. And as I mentioned earlier, I do not do everything. I, I basically have two traffic sources for my main blog and, and that's it. And now, now that I'm in a good, comfortable place, I'm growing and getting more things. But I think the key is that I did not try to do that early on. That is really good advice. You do not need to be on all the platforms or do all the things. Just get really good on a couple of them. 
before moving on. Yes. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for stopping by today and being on the show. It's been a pleasure having you here and a pleasure getting to chat with you. <laughs> thank you. It's good talking with you. Everybody go and check out Debbie at thefloringgirl.com and check out the show notes here at herpiperoot.com slash show notes to find all of the resources and partner discounts that we have mentioned on today's show. Thank you for listening today. I hope that this episode was helpful and inspiring and it motivates you to get out there and work on your own blog. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll catch you next time. for tuning into the Her Paper Root podcast. We hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, please say so by leaving us a review on iTunes and be sure to share this episode with your friends. For more entrepreneurship resources and to connect with Chelsea, swing by herpaperroot.com. Now go make something. 